So <laughs> as is. a leader, I felt like my most important job was to help my team members realize that they could do it, realize that I trusted them, that I had faith, that this thing I was asking them to do, that they were the perfect person to do it. And sometimes, you know, that just, somebody just needs you to look them in the eye with confidence and not blink <laughs> and say, yeah, I right. believe in you Yeah. until they feel it. Okay, cool. Melanie, and what's your last name? Jones. Melanie Jones. All right. Well, welcome to the Tacos Together podcast. Thank you, Dalton. Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, me and Paul are tag teaming hosting. Awesome. So I, uh, if I say the Thinking Project on here, don't uh, cancel me. But anyway, so Melanie, uh, the editor in chief of Utah Business. Correct. That's amazing. Tell me. Um, I always like to start off my interviews with like a crazy question. Uh, have you had like a, just a wild interview where you went in and you thought that it was going to be like, you had this idea of your mind and then it took a total 180 and you were like totally surprised. Have you ever had a moment like that? Ooh, let me think about that. I'm new to Utah business, by the way, okay. started in January. Okay. So I don't have a ton of interview experience under my belt at this point. <laughs> the, okay. That's fair. I just remember, I, you know, when I've been doing uh, a few of mine, you think like one thing and then you get in there and it's wild. But what did you do before Utah business? I worked in manufacturing for, I mean, almost 25 years in a row and then three years before I went to college too. So all total, almost 28 years. Wow. Yeah. At a company called Ultradent in South Jordan. Okay. I've heard of that. Yeah. Great company. I was there a long time. Then when I left, I went to Unique in Lehigh for about almost two years and then jumped over to Utah Business. Yeah, what did you do in what did you do in manufacturing? Same same kind of thing like No, I I had a journey at Ultradent. It was crazy. So I started on the production floor in manufacturing cuz I was a teenager. So I worked oh, okay, from age 15 cool. to 18 inspecting syringes for quality control. Wow. And that's how I earned money to go to college was Okay. those 3 years at Ultradent. I came back between my sophomore and junior years of college. I was set to, I went to BYU-Idaho, which was, at the time I went, it was Rick's College and it was mm -hmm. only a two-year school. So I was set to go to Utah State in the fall on a journalism scholarship, did an internship at Ultradent where I had spent some teenage years and I was in the international sales department. And after about a month into the internship, my boss at the time was like, you know what? I don't think you should go to college and study journalism. <laughs> I think you should be in international business. And if you'll stay on, I will teach you everything you need to know. Wow. And so I'm considering that as a dumb 20 year old, you know, <laughs> international business. That sounds pretty glamorous and certainly much cooler than anything I've done or anyone I know has ever done. Um, so I took it and I stayed and they were sending me everywhere. I went to almost every country in South America. The only three I didn't visit were the ones next to Venezuela, the Suriname, Guyana, French Guyana, like the uh -huh. tiny ones. Yeah. But all the rest of South America, about half of Central America, they sent me to Africa. I went to the Middle East once. I went to Asia. I went to about half, half of Europe. Wow. Lots of places that no one I know has ever been. Yeah. And I got to do that in my early 20s before I had responsibilities and a relationship and children. And yeah. yeah, so I did that for, I don't know, 
few years. It was a big chunk of probably the big, the first chapter of three chapters <laughs> at Ultradent. Um, while I was doing that job, it became apparent that I had this technical aptitude, which I didn't realize about myself. It's not like I was a science geek or anything like that going through school, but uh, the chemistry made sense to me. The procedures made sense to me. Uh, this company manufactured devices for dentists, devices and chemical products for dentists. Mm. And they made sense to me. Like I could understand and visualize how to do a root canal. And um, wow. they started having me train people and eventually put me in charge of product training for the whole company. And I would train all the sales reps and help them figure out what to say to the dentists and work trade shows and describe the products to the dentists. And after a while of that, um, my boss came in and said, you know, we don't have anybody running this website thing. And uh, we're probably going to start selling our products online at some point. And this was at the kind of the beginning of e-commerce. Not everybody was doing it yet. So um, he goes, didn't you take didn't you take a web design course in college? Because I had gone back, by the <laughs> okay, way. I okay. went back to school later. Time, yeah. yeah. And I said, yeah, I did. And he's like, why don't you run this? And that, that just grew. So it started from taking on that project, and it grew into a, a full department that by the time I left, I was over e-commerce and web analytics, social media, email marketing, SEO, content management, like the whole digital shebang mm -hmm. was under my purview. And that was an amazing chapter of my career, had a fantastic team and digital is awesome. It changes every single day. There's mm -hmm. always something new to learn and um, to grow into. It's never boring. So. Yeah. That's the, that's the double-edged sword, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you love yeah, it and true. you hate it because you're like, that's what true. happened? You can never the... fully master it. Right. Yeah. And that's the frustrating and beautiful part about it. But yeah. that, that was chapter three. I remember, I remember just to pause because I want to hear the rest of this, but I remember when I was, when social media had like just started becoming a thing and people were advertising and businesses were on and uh, we were all learning about it and how fast it was changing and everything was going crazy. And we were listening to people like Gary Vee and all these guys. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then I remember looking one time, I was like, maybe I could do social media. And I remember looking at a at an ad in like Indeed or something. And it was like 10 years, like social media manager, 10 years required, 10 years. Of, like, and I was like, even been uh, around. I'm like, how do you have that, dude? <laughs> like, were you on like MySpace, dude? Yeah. Because they didn't sell, I think they sold ads, but not the way that they do now. No, and there was like no formal way to learn it in the beginning other than practice yeah. because there were no classes and right. there were not even seminars in the very beginning. Like I was on Facebook at the very beginning. I placed the very first Facebook ad that Ultradent ever placed. Wow. And it was me, and I was just tinkering around. I had, yeah. There were no classes. Just play with it. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're like, I got five bucks. Let's spend five bucks on Facebook marketing and wow. see how it Let's works and watch, watch the metrics. And um, over time, you know, they started having courses and you could go to a big marketing conference and maybe there was one class on social media. And then there became entire tracks entire conferences mm. and now you can get certifications and even degrees but it wasn't Wild, that huh? way in the beginning yeah. wow so you so that's kind of your progression that's pretty cool though that you got to do that sales piece and then the training mm -hmm. and then kind of see all aspects because one thing you know my background sales and marketing for like a decade and 
Uh, I, I started in sales though, and I was always mad that I never, they didn't teach you marketing like mm -hmm. concurrently. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's crazy. So you end at, uh, ultra dent, uh, and then you go to unique. What, yes. what made you switch? Honestly, um, it was just time. I could feel yeah. it in the air. Yeah. Sometimes you feel that. And for me, that was really hard because if you consider that I was there from the time I was 15 and then doing some college and then I left in my forties Wow, so my so entire adult life yeah. was spent at this company and I'm not the only one who has stayed there that long. So there were a lot of other people who were there 10, 15, 20 years. So these people were very close to me and leaving them was like leaving family. It was like a divorce. <laughs> it was a really hard decision, but a few things happened where, um, sometimes when, when things just don't make sense and you can't figure out why they don't make sense. It's just because you're not where you're supposed to be anymore. Yeah. And it's it's time to move. Right, right. And when stuff started making sense, it was really, or when it stopped making sense, it was really hard for me to accept that and accept that it was time to move on. Um, but something that helped me, uh, I had over the course of the past few years developed a new community or become a part of a new community. I volunteered at TEDx Salt Lake City as a oh, speaking cool. coach and a curator. Wow, a speaking and, coach? Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, you probably had to do a lot of that when you were like presenting. I did. Teaching the presenter. That's right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay, right. cool. Um, but I much prefer coaching speakers than speaking myself, <laughs> yeah, okay. for, yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. But I did that for a number of years. And so if you consider that I spent the bulk of my career with the same people in the same place, talking about the same products, and that they were my family, and that was all I had, um, leaving them becomes really difficult when it's your everything. Then I developed relationships with this new community at TEDx Salt Lake City, and suddenly I know a professor and a physicist and a journalist and a singer and a dancer and you know Sarah Jones, a DEI expert. Yeah. Like I know all of these people. And so when I started thinking about whether I should make this jump that it felt like it was time to make. Earlier, there would have been no one to talk to about that who was not invested in my decision. Mm. It would have been the people I worked with because they were my only friends. <laughs> yeah. And my family, yeah. and my family's invested in what I decide. And the people I work with, you don't want to tell all your coworkers, I'm thinking about leaving. Do you yeah, think yeah, that's yeah, a good that's idea? Shaking, you know? Yeah. So suddenly I had this TEDx family and I'm like, hey, this is kind of what's going on. Something's not feeling right. And I've got Sarah Jones saying, get out. I've got Angela and Karina LeBaron saying, get out. It's time to go. I've got Dr. Chelsea Shields, who oh, you cool. should really have her on the podcast sometime. She's right, amazing. Um, but I've got her saying, it's time to go. And she actually knew somebody who started at Unique or was about to start at Unique as the chief marketing and digital officer. And she called him. And she said, I know you're about to start this job. I want you to meet Melanie Jones and just hire her for whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. And so Very cool. I meet him and we're, we're at this firehouse subs because Starbucks was still closed from COVID. They hadn't reopened yet. And yeah, okay. yeah for, wow. for in there. Yeah. yeah. So we're at this firehouse subs and we talked for like, I don't know, three hours or something Whew. like just... I was like, this is it. 
we click. This is totally going to work. Then I do not hear from this guy for a month. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> You're like, <"Dang> no. <laughs> and Chelsea's like, hey, don't feel bad if he doesn't hire you. He's probably looking for someone with direct sales experience. And I'm like, oh, you think he's not going to hire me? Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, makes yeah. me so sad. Then right. after about a month, he calls me out of nowhere, talks to me for an hour and then hangs up. <laughs> and great. still doesn't offer me a job. Yeah, and I'm you're like, like, this is wild. Okay. Yeah. Then it was probably another month or a few, probably a few weeks after that, actually. Um, I had been given a project at Ultradent that was new. It was not in my wheelhouse, and it actually wasn't in the wheelhouse of anybody else at the company, but it was in this guy's wheelhouse. His name's Steve, by the way. Mm -hmm. So it was in Steve's wheelhouse. So I text him and I'm like, hey, can I pick your brain about something? And he's like, yeah, give me a call. So I call him, present him with the situation. He gives me advice. I take a page full of notes and then he's like, okay, I'm gonna email you a job offer or a job <laughs> description. I'm gonna yeah. email you a job description and then I want you to let me know if you're interested. So he sends it over and I read it and I'm like, was this written for me? Right, yeah. And I called him and I was like, did you just tailor this to, to me? <laughs> and everything you've learned about me over the past <laughs> two months? And he's like, I wanted you to feel comfortable making the jump. Uh, so he literally wrote a job description for me. Oh. And I was like, Chelsea loves this guy and I trust Chelsea. And he's a person who did this for me. And it makes me feel safe. Like I can leave my safe space and go to a new safe space. Mm. So I jumped over and worked for Steve at Unique. Um, he made me chief of staff and I was vice president of planning and customer experience. So that was new as well. Very cool, very yeah. cool. Very cool. Um, and then after about a year and a half, on the same day, Unique cut my boss, Steve, and my peers all on the same day. And it stopped being as fun as it used to be. Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. It was not as fun anymore. And I started putting in crazy hours, like 60 hour weeks. I know some people mm -hmm. do that. And you have a lot of entrepreneurs who are listening that are like, oh, boo hoo. Yeah, you're like hour 60 weeks. hours. I remember my I'm first like, part time job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, but, it, but for no, me, it sucks, though. It, yeah. It's hard, though. Yeah. And for me, it was, uh, it was definitely a, a shift you know, to be in a corporate situation and not be working for when you're an entrepreneur, you're grinding, but you know, there's something at the end of it for you. Yeah. 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 But this was me literally working for the man, <laughs> you know, 60 hours a week working yeah, for the man, not yeah. getting paid extra. Right. Um, so a few years before I had interviewed at the Deseret News when I was thinking it was time to leave Ultradent, but I wasn't quite brave enough. And I still only had my Ultradent community and um, I interviewed with a guy named Burke Olson. He offered me a job and I turned it down. Oh. Because I was too scared to leave my alternate family. So at this point at Unique, flashback forward, <laughs> at this point at Unique, um, they've cut all the people that I, that I really enjoyed working with on a, on a peer level. I had a team as well. My team was great. I did love yeah, my team, yeah. but to lose my leadership was really, that's different. The and, dynamic yeah, changes a lot. Yeah, and my peer group as well. Um, so I text Burke, and I'm like, 
this probably seems creepy, and I don't know if you remember me. Yeah. <laughs> but since I turned you down last time you offered me a job, I'm sure it's, you're probably skeptical, but I swear to you, if there's anything you've got, this time I will not say no. <laughs> He's like, I don't have anything right now, but why don't you come in? This was a Thursday. He's like, come in next Thursday and meet with our president and we'll get you on the radar. I'm like, all right, sounds yeah. good. So that's Thursday. On Tuesday, he sends me a text. The editor-in-chief has just given notice at Utah Business. When you come in on Thursday, let's talk about that role. On Wednesday, I was laid off. And on Thursday, I was in the office. That's what's up. <laughs> that's great. It I mean, crazy. I mean, you never want anybody to get laid off. No. Right, but like... And, if and it's going to happen, that's, that's, the, it, that's, that's the way to do it. Because yeah. you still end up with the severance. <laughs> yeah. I, why, yeah, I do the same thing. <laughs> right? <laughs> I do, yeah. I, I mean, that's kind of, there's two kind of veins I wanted to talk about on here that I really enjoyed about your story. The first one was taking those positions that you might not have felt qualified for, like you didn't have any experience, but you, you were like, yes, and took it. And then obviously we're successful, right? I think there's a lot you can unpack there. And then the power of community in just the end of that story, which is how you got to Utah business. Cause uh, a very similar I had a very similar experience, which was like laid off on Tuesday, uh, going to Disneyland next week. And then I was like, I just made one phone call and I was like, Hey, kind of similar, like got anything. They're like, yep. Went to Disneyland. Are you came serious? Back. Yeah. went to Disneyland and came back, but it was actually someone I interviewed on the podcast or wow. my, on my podcast. Um, but back to that first question, tell me about kind of what you feel, what your feelings were when you were offered those kind of new things that, you know, you kind of just dove in head first and then maybe some of like the you know, the takeaways for people who are in that position, because you kind of see, you kind of get that right. When people are thinking about like, what do you want to do next? And you're like, I don't know. Yeah. But if somebody offers you something, you're like, man, I don't know if I could do that, but why not? Right. Yeah. You asked me. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah. Kind of walk us through that and your thoughts there. Well, for me, what you just said is really important. And for my whole career, that was important that I really didn't chase any of these things. And I'm not saying that's the way that anybody watching should live <laughs> sure, sure, like sure. maybe you should be chasing stuff but I don't think I had the confidence to chase mm -hmm. stuff like that and you've probably heard this statistic that women don't apply for jobs unless they feel 100% qualified but mm -hmm. men will apply if they feel 60% qualified mm -hmm. there's some shift that women need to make and and I know that we're socialized into it as well so it's not like we can completely control it but maybe just being aware of that is helpful for me, it was important that other people offered these opportunities to me because it was like, hey, if this guy thinks that I can do this, I don't want to let him down. Mm. And that would drive me to, to work and push because for someone to trust you and somebody to believe in you, I, I will work hard for that person, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, yeah. and that means they're not waiting for you to fail. They're invested in your success. Right. And so all of those situations where these opportunities were offered to me, it was like, well, if he thinks I can do it, then I can probably do it. And, you know, yeah, like just a little bit. Right? Yeah, just a little bit. And later on, you know, when I was considering about considering leaving Ultradent and I was on the phone with Chelsea um, and I was just having a really hard day. She's like. Melanie Jones. Oh, this is actually before I took the 
after I was laid off and before I moved on. I don't know. It could have been any number of times. Chelsea's just amazing. Uh, have yeah. her on your show. <laughs> right, but um, she said, Melanie Jones, tell me one time in your life, just one, that you have not delivered. Yeah. And I sat there and I was like, I mean, I don't think of myself that way. But hearing Chelsea say it and then forcing me to go through that kind of mental exercise. Okay, find a time when you did not deliver. Go through your memory bank. And I could not think of a time that I didn't deliver. I always work hard. Mm -hmm. I always find the person who can teach me or I research it or I read a book or I take a class or I get certified. But I've never not delivered. So what am I so afraid yeah, of? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think there's a really beautiful principle in there, which is the definition of confidence. I think confidence just comes from this undeniable proof that you're you can do exactly what you've said you do, right? I mean, that's what practice is. Yeah. Like I'm in a lot of sports, and so like, how, how do you know you're gonna win? Well, you know, if you treat like it like that right every day, mm -hmm. and uh, and I think a lot of people, if they got that in, you know, those those wins under their belts, those little you know ticks on the wall, I think changes a lot but you know and then and then on the flip side too like because some people might be in your position we're like well yeah but i still i'm still not gonna ask and then you kind of flip it to the to the people in charge was like put trust people like go after people and let them you know give them autonomy and let them go yeah yeah and believe in people and and uh i feel like something i've seen even in leadership as i've had teams reporting to me is that Insecurity is a performance inhibitor. And so uh, yeah, 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 it yeah, really yeah. is. So <laughs> as is. a leader, I felt like my most important job was to help my team members realize that they could do it, realize that I trusted them, that I had faith, that this thing I was asking them to do, that they were the perfect person to do it. And sometimes, you know, that just, somebody just needs you to look them in the eye with confidence and not blink and <laughs> yeah, say, I right. believe in you Yeah. until they feel it. Yeah. And I felt that at TED so many times, too. We That's would get cool. speakers at, at TEDx Salt Lake City who had horrible imposter syndrome. And I get mm -hmm. it because we'd have some really big names in there. But we would have Joe off the street, too. We had an open curation process and they still do. Yeah, um, I've applied like three times. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. You're fine. I, yeah. I, but I get. I'm not. That's Ted. There's like yeah. a thousand people who apply There's every so year. There's so many. Yeah. yeah, and we'd go through and we'd pick the best idea. And so yeah. sometimes a great idea comes from a CEO, and sometimes it comes from the guy next door. Which is why Ted is a, amazing. Yeah, has a great yeah. idea. And so you'd get them all together in this room at the beginning and have them introduce themselves and give a, a bit about their idea. And at the end of that, people always felt intimidated. Every single one of them would come up to me and be like, uh, yeah. oh my gosh, but this, this guy over here is amazing. Or did you hear her idea? That was incredible. Like, what yeah. do I have to say compared to that? But they all do. And so there, there was this time backstage. This was, I think it was my second year at TEDx Salt Lake City. So I had a little bit of experience under my belt, enough that I felt like I could do this. Yeah. And our final speaker of the day, by the way, which is the, the place of honor. It's yeah. the one we want to wrap up because we know they're just going to bring it It's a heavy hitter. Yeah. yeah. And we don't pick the order until the very end of rehearsal season. So mm -hmm. we know who's going to who's going to bring it home. And we pick that person on 
purpose. It's not like a random drawing. Yeah. So I pick you, I believe in you. We've got the second to last speaker up on the stage and the last speaker nowhere to be found. And someone comes and tells me she's, she's backstage freaking out. Yeah. So I go and find her and I'm like, what's going on? And she's kind of hyperventilating. Yeah, almost like a mini panic attack yeah. or on the verge of one. Yeah. yeah. So we go back to the alley. It's at Kingsbury Hall. So we just uh-huh. open the backstage door and go out into the fresh air. And I swear to you, I had no idea what I was doing. I am not a therapist or a social <laughs> worker. I'm just yeah. a person. Yeah. And this taught me a lesson, too, that we're all just people and nobody actually knows what they're doing, right? So <laughs> I'm back there with her, and she's telling me what's causing the panic attack. And um, it's because she was thinking about her father, who had passed away um, somewhat recently. Mm. And he wasn't able to be there to watch her. And, you know, how could she do this? She wasn't going to. So she just had him in her head. And I was like, you know what? He's going to watch and be proud of you. And for right now, I want you to put him to the side. He's going to go sit on that couch over there and he's going to watch you. And you're not going to watch him. Your, Your duty is to the audience, basically. I'm like, I want you to breathe. Put him aside. You're going to come back to him in exactly 18 minutes. And he'll be here waiting for you. We picked you for a a reason. It's because you're the best one in the entire lineup. And I've seen you do this seven times already. I know you can do this. You're going to be amazing. Do you believe me? (laughs) And she's like, yes. And I'm like, no. Do you believe me? And I seriously, every word out of my mouth, I'm like, I am such a fraud. Why do I think this is going to work on this person? Like, yeah. I'm not a therapist. Right. And for whatever reason, she just like shook it off, went and stood on the freaking red dot and nailed the thing. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. We don't know what we're doing, <laughs> but she knows that somebody believed in her and yeah. got her through that moment and was willing to sit in it with her. And sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. I, my experience with that is the, just empathy. Like people just need to be seen and heard and then they make massive, they make yeah. massive decision and massive action. Yeah. I, I volunteered with, uh, the crisis text line. Oh, gee. yeah. Yeah. And that's actually what they, they taught us that, that just that, right? Like, but it's funny because we weren't therapists either. Nobody, yeah. nobody who volunteers typically, or at least you don't have to be sort of like licensed or anything. You can just be a volunteer. And yeah, wow, what incredible, right? Uh, and I heard John Bradshaw on on LinkedIn one time say, if you met, you know, if you sat down and talked with 10 CEOs, you'd realize like, you, you'd realize that they all have imposters, right? They all don't yeah. think they should be there. Love yeah. John Bradshaw, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Amazing the best dude. Guy. Yeah, we're trying to get him on the both of these podcasts, so hopefully it happens one day. But it's, it's back to that idea. It's like, if you knew that everybody was kind of thinking like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd your mindset would totally shift. Absolutely. And it's and that's yeah, that's wonderful. Well, te- okay, TEDx though, um, these these speeches. So that was a that was a really beautiful experience. Any other ones that just stick out that are like, dang, that was crazy. Yes. <laughs> what came to your mind <laughs> when you said that? The first, I've told this story before on another podcast, so. But it's not like people it's follow fine. me in my podcast journey. Or you anything. never tell the same story twice, so I'm I'm here for it. Yeah. So we had um, we had a lady 
apply for Ted who had a really different idea, and especially for the Salt Lake City market, really different. Can you share it? Yes. (laughs) Um, She was a sex worker. Okay. And she had never spoken publicly in her life, never given a talk in church, never, like nothing. Right. But she had this idea, um, and the application just kind of knocked our socks off. You're like, well, this is crazy. Caught us in like two sentences or maybe one sentence. And it was, it was something like, okay, like graphic warning or something right here. People. Oh, good. Um, something like, ah, what's the measurement? Like if sex lasts on average three and a half minutes, why do men pay me for three hours? Damn. Right. That's wild. So we read this and we're like. I don't know why. And it's because the men are looking for someone to be vulnerable with. Mm -hmm. So the physical connection starts it, but then they talk about their dreams and their crazy ideas with a person who won't judge them for it. (sighs) Yeah, I've actually heard that. Yeah, I actually heard a statistic where like actually most of the time um, when a when a man or whoever hires men, I'm going to use that because that was the study I read. But when a man hires a sex worker, they usually don't even end up doing any kind of physical. Yeah. Act. It's just like they actually just they hire them. They just want to talk. Intimacy. They like take yeah. them on a date. They're yeah. Like, oh, yeah. And it's why that's crazy. Yeah. So wow, she talks all in it about kind of what society has done to men and how it makes them feel like they can't cry or they can't share or they're going to be laughed at or, or whatever. And mm. they need this connection. And, Um, so she, that was the, the point of her talk. So it's very different. She had a lot of imposter syndrome sitting in a room with a nonprofit founder and a journalist and a material scientist. And, you know, think (laughs) about her and she's sitting there like, ah, okay. So, um, she had a little bit of a rough go through the season, developing her outline, (laughs) developing the script. Come to find out, she actually didn't think she was gonna make it onto the stage, but this was like her practice year to practice applying, to practice doing the video thing, and and then she got chosen. So she was a little bit unprepared (laughs) for it mentally, and then she's in this room with all these people that have these degrees and like all this experience and whatever, and she, she was like struggling. She puts together her outline. She starts doing the script. Her script had a bunch of revisions. Um, we start rehearsal season. She cannot do the memorization. Like she's yeah. just having such a hard time yeah. um, making it through the process. <coughs> Finally, we are to the week of um, the week of TEDx Salt Lake City, and she comes to a couple of rehearsals during that week. We have. We had like a certain number you were required to go to. Right, right. And, and then, then you have lots more. of optional. So she came to a couple and she could not remember her lines. And TEDx Salt Lake City, all of the speeches are completely memorized verbatim. Right, right. No well, teleprompter. Right. No, oh, no I see, cards. Nothing. Because some TED, they have like the floor one yeah, or like we, the big one. Yeah. We did not. Yeah. And you'll see, like, if you look at recordings, even some of our speakers who have spoken at multiple. TED events, yeah. the ones that have the monitors on the ground, you see their eyes looking down the whole it's tough. time. Yeah, you can't really, yeah, you can't yeah. Really do that. So yeah. we made them memorize verbatim right. and just drill it. Yeah. And she could not get the memorization down. So we're at the last rehearsal, last time she could possibly do this yeah. before dress rehearsal. 
And she's just like, I'm not going to make it. I can't do it. What am I, what am I going to do? And I took her by the shoulders and I was like, okay, again, breathe, breathe. Yeah. Now I'm going to teach you one technique. Let's go through your script really quick. And that your first sentence says this, what reminds you of this keyword? And we go through and I teach her this kind of association technique. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because a lot of the time when we'd be as speaker coaches down off the stage going through the script, somebody would freeze in their rehearsal and then we'd be like Gatorade and they'd be like, and Gatorade contains electric, yeah, like they could yeah. remember oh, the rest see, of see, it, see, yes, but they yes, couldn't yes. remember the beginning. So I started teaching her keywords for the beginning of every paragraph and then how to stack those keywords into like a, a mental image yeah. that made a tower. And so I teach her that and she's like, okay, okay, it's going to be fine. We go to dress rehearsal. She's like, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> just terrible. Just bombs it again. Just bombs yeah, it like, again. And I'm it, like, bro. oh, I thought that was going to work. And she's still like having the hardest time next day. Go out onto the stage for the real thing. She nailed it. Like wow. nailed it. Yeah. She only had to get it right one time. And oh. that was the time she got it right. Mm. Was the time the spotlight was on and mm. she was standing on the red dot. That's the time she got it right. Her talk has multiple millions of views now. Some little talk at TEDx Salt Lake City, mm. not the main TED event. Millions of views of her talks. Constant comments still updating to this day, even though that was back in 2018. I think mm. she still gets comments. People telling her how much of a difference what she said made. Yeah. And, and she got invited to go on the news. She was invited as a, um, an expert witness in a court case. Like wow. there were things that happened because she <laughs> nailed oh, that yeah. performance. And that's not oh, to wow. say that that will last forever. And her life is perfect now because she sure, gave that sure, talk, sure, sure, but sure, that sure. she was able, she was able to do something really hard and out of her wheelhouse and do it flawlessly. Mm. Well, you said it right there. That gave me goosebumps when you said you only have to get it right once. Yeah. Because it's so freaking true. <laughs> like, we only got to get it one time. Yeah, so don't make yeah. it the dress rehearsal. Bomb your dress <laughs> rehearsal. Scare everybody <laughs> at TEDx Salt Lake City and then go out and yeah. bomb. A bad rehearsal <laughs> is a good rehearsal anyway. It lets yeah. you get all the bugs out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, yeah, I mean, and that's kind of why my philosophy, I kind of, I get in some debates with my friends and colleagues and stuff when I, when we talk about failure, cause I don't believe that it exists. I, mm -hmm. I don't think, I think it's a label, but, uh, because that, right? Like, yeah, she bombed it, but like, was it a failure five years, six, seven years later? Nah, probably. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. no, nah, totally. Yeah. And, uh, and so anyway, it's just, cr it's just crazy. That's a, that's a wild story and a very interesting premise of a talk, by the way. Yeah. She, Who wouldn't do that? she did great. And then she was all on social media and she, I never watched Grey's Anatomy, okay? Me I either. never watched it. But I think what she said was from that. And she kept saying, Melanie Jones, you were my person. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I made a difference to yeah, somebody, yeah. you know? Like, I helped her achieve this dream. Right. And maybe it was only five minutes of anything I did. And all the rest was her, for sure. Mm -hmm. But five minutes from me made the difference between achieving her dream or not. Yeah. And that's crazy to think about the impact that we can have on another human in five minutes. 
Yeah, or even less. You or know, even or, less. Yeah, it's just like, and just knowing that, and I think it just t- comes back to that, what you said earlier of just, if you can't believe in yourself, find somebody who, else who will. Yes. And then just, and run with it. Because there's yeah. somebody who does, for sure. Yeah, and let that carry you for yeah. a minute. And and uh, and by the way, I don't know, I, I'm the guy, I just believe in everybody. Like, I'm delusional. I wrote I wrote on LinkedIn one time, uh, the, po- the tacos and, and the thinking project became really successful because it, we were just delusional. We were just like, we, we can do it somehow. And I tell people that all the time. Like anybody who comes up to me with an idea, I'm just like, yeah, absolutely. You'll crush it 100%. And they're like, what? Are you serious? Absolutely. Just go do it. And isn't that the craziest thing that you hear <laughs> all the <laughs> stories of these founders who had the audacity to believe that they could do this? Yeah. And then they do. It's great. <laughs> and it's like, and so the only, yeah, there's so many of books and stuff and on all these talks that are like the secrets to success or like success leaves clues. And I'm like, I don't know about any of that. I only know that there's one though. And it's, and it's that it's this kind of like networking. I mentioned one time in this, and this probably not the right word, but this delusion that I can do it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's like this foggy mirror and all I can see is me winning and that's it. Right. You yeah. Know? It's wild. Um, so tell me about Utah business though. Editor in chief. Um, that seems like a pretty, that would to, to the layman, that would be a daunting title. Yes. How did you, how did you tackle that? Whew. Major imposter syndrome <laughs> when I walked in. And in fact, I think this, this is when Chelsea said that to me. Yeah. Tell me one time that you haven't. Yeah, delivered. Delivered, yeah. yeah. Um, having them offer me this, it was just like all of the stars aligning. So I had to believe, okay, first of all, Burke believed I could do this. Mm-hmm. Second of all, there's a higher power that believed I could do this because of the timing of how everything lined up. Mm-hmm. I am where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But whoo, like <laughs> I don't have any journalism experience other than yeah. college newspaper. I've done yeah. a lot of communications. I've done script writing. I've done ghost writing. Um, yeah. But putting together a publication, I don't even know all the vocabulary. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know what stuff is called in a right, magazine. Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I get there and I'm like, oh, I hope that I can do good here. I hope that I don't let anybody down. And I mm. hope that the team can trust me. And I, I hope I can earn that trust. Yeah. And thinking about what I was going to go in and do and having, there were a few people in my life um, who told me that this is the perfect job for me. Wow. And, and like, this is this is what I was destined to do. And I'm like, but I don't know how. But yeah. in that moment, I was not thinking I haven't known how to do any of those things. I didn't right. know how to be a director of e-business. I didn't know international sales. I didn't know. But I learned. Yeah. yeah. And I, I always learn. But I wasn't thinking about that at the time. I was just thinking about the, <sighs> the insecurity of it. Um, but it didn't take long after I got in the door to realize that I brought something that wasn't there. Yeah. Um, Utah business is in the same building as the Deseret News and KSL and like a lot of, you know, yeah. there's some legit journalists so, yeah, heavy hitters, yeah. in that building, but they already had that. Right. But I had over 25 years of business experience you don't have business people doing journalism. You have journalists doing journalism. Yeah, that's and, very true. And I think that, I mean, I started thumbing through magazines 
old, old issues. And I was like, you know what? I wouldn't have told the story this way because that's not what the audience wants to know about Very that topic. True. Yeah. And I think that I brought audience perspective on day one that I didn't even realize I was bringing. Yeah. That I would know as a business person what I would want to read about this topic and I can guide the reporters when they're writing the story, make sure you cover this angle. Or you said this, but that's not really relevant to a mm -hmm. business audience. And I told my team right off the bat when they'd, they'd bring these ideas, um, I have a, an incredibly creative and talented team and they'd bring an idea that is amazing. It would make a great story. Mm -hmm. And I would say, what's the business angle? <laughs> and they'd go, well, you know, our, our audience, they're people too. And I'm yeah. like, right, but if Salt Lake Magazine can write this story, Salt Lake Magazine should write this story. Yeah. I want to write the stories that only Utah business can write. <laughs> that's cool. And that's great. That's and and it's so unique to it, because my next question was I, I've kind of been in that position too where I've taken my sales, but I've jumped a bunch of industries. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, I got a I was a car guy who went into outside sales and they were like, how's a car guy going to make it? And I did because it was like, whatever. And then they were like, how's a car guy and a machine guy going to make it in tech? And, and, but you just do, you bring a different perspective. You're like, yeah. dude, this guy, I promise you I've met this, this guy runs an e-com business, but he's from Iowa. Right. I know this guy. <laughs> you're thinking e-com, I'm thinking Iowa. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I love that. So you're like, you're thinking journalist. I'm thinking business because the, well, the essence of a story is authenticity. Right. I mean, that's what that's what touches people is when you can see yourself in the story. And so, yeah, you, you're our people, but you're not telling a business guy's story. You're not telling an entrepreneur story. Yeah. If, like, if yeah, they, that's great. If they wanted to just read about Utah, <laughs> there yeah. are lots of places to do that. Right. Here. Yeah. And they can turn on KSL and watch it on the news. Like you <laughs> yeah. can Go you can learn <laughs> some. Yeah. You can learn some Utah stories yeah. without opening Utah business. Right. Right. Uh, right. But can you learn? about the crazy business that's starting in Wellington out in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> close Ooh, is to Is there one Colville. in Wellington? Oh my gosh, I cannot wait for you to read this story in September. Okay, I just deal. assigned it today. Okay. It's so incredible. It's about coal of all that's things. That's amazing. And, and it's going to blow yeah, your mind because yeah. it'll flip your thinking. And flip, Which is amazing. That's my favorite thing. Yeah. The first time, okay, so naturally... I'm pretty stubborn and opinionated. Yeah, that which is fine, which is great. But the first time that I heard a TED Talk that changed my mind, and it was one of the first TED Talks I heard, it may have been the first or, or one of the first three that yeah. I heard, was Monica Lewinsky's TED Talk. Oh, and I, <laughs> very cool. <laughs> have you seen it? Yeah, 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 I have. Yeah, it's I have. so good. But <laughs> I turned it on and I had these perceptions. You know, I was I was around and I was in my early 20s at the time of the scandal. And mm. so I had thoughts and opinions about that. But the great thing about watching a talk like that privately where I'm just watching I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to dig my heels in mm -hmm. and tell you, you like, no, yeah. this is why I believe what I believe. And I have right. to like stand my ground. I'm just in this space where I'm hearing a story and my mind is changing while I'm hearing the story. And yeah. when it was done, Oof. I felt completely differently yeah. about her 
and about her topic than I did 15 minutes before. And I was like, ooh, that's a rush. I love having my she, mind yeah, she changed. Had a, she had a great talk. It was a great talk yeah, and an very, important talk. Yeah. But that was a rush to have my mind changed like that. And it was something that I don't think I had allowed myself to do before because, mm-hmm. you know, you dig in on your opinions. And, and yeah. that's why we're so polarized, too, because nobody can admit when they're wrong, yeah. when they read the room well, wrong, you know? Yeah. You know what? You, I'm glad that you brought up that Monica Lewinsky talk, because what I think I, I, I do agree with that. But I think it, I think there's a scarier thing, which is like we're all like. I think what was really cool about Monica's talk was like, it was very human. Yes. And, um, that's what scares people is like, I'm actually not that much different. And if I would have been in that position, I might not have made a different choice. Right. Or like everybody thinks they wouldn't have, uh, you know, and I'm going to say, but everybody thinks they wouldn't have crucified Christ, but I don't know, man, you might've been there and and I'm not trying to, that's not sacrilegious and I'm not trying to disrespect anybody's religion, but it's just this idea that like, you're actually we're really all, you're actually closer people. than you think you are. <laughs> yeah, we're all yeah, you know? people. And I remember uh, so tacos together the 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 event a few months ago. Johnny Hanna spoke, mm. and Johnny Hanna gave a, an amazing talk about Homie and about himself and about his mental health journey and his friends who who had died by suicide. And he's mentioned in the talk. He's like, every realtor hates me. And I I remember thinking like that's why Homie needs a podcast or whatever. Because could you imagine if that room was full of 400 realtors listening to Johnny Hanna tell that story? Like no realtor would hate you after that. They couldn't. Yeah. There'd be a, right. no choice. Right. You'd Connecting be like, on a human level. <laughs> yeah, you're like, dude, all right, fine. Like yeah. maybe now we all, we're all just competing and I'll just go do my thing and you go do your thing. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's wild. No, I love that. I, I love that. I loved having my mind changed and I loved like beautiful yeah. entering into a space where I could start connecting with people. So like translating in that into TEDx Salt Lake city and meeting all these people of varying beliefs and political views and being in a circle that I otherwise would not, they didn't work at my company. They didn't go to my church and they didn't live in my neighborhood. So Mm -hmm. there's no reason I should ever be exposed to these ideas because Mm -hmm. we stay in our own circles. And now I have these friends of different perspectives and I love and respect them, so I listen to them. And when I listen to them, they make sense to me. And I felt it, I felt my mind become more plastic. Mm-hmm. It can move better mm-hmm. than it used to be able to move. And that is one of my favorite things about having volunteered in that capacity. And the other favorite thing, the most favorite thing, <laughs> is giving people a platform to share their stories or their ideas and taking somebody who's doing something amazing in Utah that no one has ever heard of before yeah, and giving them some spotlight so that they get more support around them. They can get investors, they can get co-collaborators, you know, they can can get all of these people just because they had spotlight. So when people used to ask me, what's your dream job? I'd be like, well, it'd be this volunteer gig except paid. And now I feel like at Utah business, that's exactly what I get to do. I get to find these cool business success stories. And I'm hoping to find the ones that are not being told. Like, yeah, the ones that you can't find. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. There are ones that, you know, some people are on LinkedIn telling you their stories all the time. They mm. don't need me as much. Right. There, yeah. There are people who are head down 
in the trenches, just trying to make stuff work and absorbed in the work who are yeah. brilliant. Yeah. And we need to know their stories. And if I can dig them out <laughs> yeah. and no, give that's... them some spotlight, yeah. like how cool. It's oh, not it's, even it, just, no, it's amazing. It's not even just cool for them. It's cool for us as a community, right? Yeah. To know that we live in this amazing place with all these amazing Utah business people who are doing cool things like yeah. right with us. It's easy to get down about the place where you live. Everybody yeah. does it. Like, have you seen that movie, Orange County? Yes. I love Orange County. And Kevin Klein says yeah. to Colin Hanks at one point, like, everybody hates where they're, or has a complicated relationship with the place where they're from. Yeah. But that's, that's, right. that's where your story is. It's your background. It's your heart. It's your life, you know? Right. And we can think negative things about Utah, but yeah. man, there's a lot to be proud of. And you get to know people on a personal level and you don't have to agree with everything that they think. But sure. a lot of the time you end up seeing their their point of view right. if you just have a conversation. Right. And then they are successful at building something. Yeah. And suddenly you realize we are surrounded by builders in the yeah. state of Utah who want to make something bigger and better than what we have now. Absolutely. And I'm going to hijack tacos real quick because that's what my podcast started out at the thinking project was, um, the, in fact, on my website, it's, uh, you know, everybody looks up to Warren Buffett and, you know, mm -hmm. Musk and these guys. And I'm like, but the, but if you knocked on your next door neighbor, you would be surprisingly shocked yes. about what that guy's doing and how much money they have. And, um, and I don't know, I learned from a really young age, not to judge a person by how they look. Um, and it served me really well. I learned that actually in wrestling. Fun, funny story about that. But uh, anyway, it's just, yeah, it's wild. And my podcast on The Thinking Project originally started because um, because I was trying to network and find people. And then I just, I, I found so many crazy people. I was like, oh my gosh. I did Like I went up to my buddy one time. I, I was going to interview the, do you know the jazz? They have a DJ. Yes. Yeah, DJ June. Okay. I was going to interview him and I wanted from my buddy. I was like, did you know the Utah Jazz? Like, they have a DJ. Yeah. They're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, of course. I, I, they go, they, they go, yeah. I mean, somebody plays music. I'm like, like no, they have a legitimate, like, he's the DJ yeah. for jazz. They're like, no. And I'm like, yeah, that's a cool story. Anyway, but yeah, and I wasn't going to, I had a friend tell me, he was like, no, don't keep it in Utah. Like, you're going to niche yourself down too much. If you go Utah, you're never going to get out. And so I believed him for like the first, 25 interviews or whatever. And then I was like, you know what, dude, there's way too many cool people in here. I don't really care if I get locked down in Utah because, uh, and that only helped me because I found some really cool people in Utah that had really cool connections outside. And you, and here's what I didn't know. And maybe you have experienced this, but like th there's people in Utah who know some of the most famous people in the world. Yes. And you're like, how the freak do you know him? Yes. Like I didn't, nobody would, like if you saw this guy I'm thinking of in my head in, in Smith's, you'd be like, you just pass him by. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if he yeah. cuts you off, you get mad at him. But he knows, <laughs> he literally knows, you know, Elon Musk's assistant and he could get us an interview in like two, in, you know, I, I mean, know. nobody can get an interview with him, but that's how close he is though, yeah. right? Anyway, I was just, just started, like, wow. just started a Twitter battle with him. The, yeah, that's, that's what I've been trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> is he ignoring you? Yeah, oh like he's ghosted gosh. me. But I, I only have 400 followers on Twitter. <laughs> but no, Melanie, this was a real treat. Thank you so much for joining yeah. the Tacos podcast uh, and just sharing your story about community. I think it's really going to help a lot of people. Where can they follow you? Where, obviously Utah business, but uh, give a plug for them and, and where they can follow you as well. 
Yeah, utahbusiness.com. And uh, all of our stories are published online for free. So you can read anything. But do support the print publication because it it. funds our work. (laughs) (laughs) And it's good journalism. And there's something about the physical experience. I read Utah Business every time I go to Kiln. Awesome. (laughs) I love it. Maybe you should get your own. (laughs) Just think about it. I mean, it's like... $4.95. Four ninety five. Come on, guy. Come on. <laughs> All right, deal. I'll, I'll sign up right now. Yeah. Um, cool. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so I'm Melanie Paris Jones on LinkedIn. And... I am so all in on Utah, really glad to be at Utah Business, and we have some amazing talent, and in fact, uh, I have an announcement coming soon. Do you want to be the first to have it? Absolutely. Okay. We've got a conference that we're putting on in November. It's the first time that we've ever done something like this, and the, the inspiration for it was back when I was at Ultradent, I would send my team to different conferences around the country to to Boston, to San Diego, to Austin, to learn mm-hmm. business stuff. Yeah. And I would pay their flight, their hotel, their per diem, <laughs> their conference ticket. And as I was in this role at Utah Business a few months, I realized there's nothing those folks in Boston have that we don't have right here. Yeah. So I've put together a conference agenda with 25 speakers from Utah. Only Utah. Yeah. We're going to lift up people in Utah. <laughs> and some of them you have heard of, and some of them you have not. And they are brilliant. And we're going to get more people platforms and on the stage so that after you see them at this conference in November, you'll be like, I never knew that we could have Al Solomon on the <laughs> stage before. But now you're going to go search her on LinkedIn. And she's incredible. Yeah. But we have more people who could be teaching us things than just the same couple of dozen that you see at every conference. We have more. And we have more than I've found. Yeah. And we're going to have more and more and more. And we're going to keep platforming them until people in Utah help each other do business better, um, which they are already. Yeah. But we're going to keep helping each other be smarter and grow faster. And the fact that after this conference is done, you can be like, hey, let's go for coffee next week because we know we live in the same state. It's not like going to Boston where you're like, well, let's connect on LinkedIn. Like you could literally talk to this guy afterward. I know. And that's the coolest thing about uh, these conferences because I I put one on uh, too. and, And it's just wild how much like... You you know, the Warren Buffett charity lunch goes mm-hmm. for m- hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And th- th- I know for a fact there's five people in my phone right now who could teach me just as much as Warren Buffett. Yeah, yeah. But they just don't want to live that lifestyle. And I think that's also what people don't understand is like you think you want Warren Buffett's lifestyle. No. But you don't. But you don't. You don't want you think you want to live like Elon Musk, but you really don't. But you really don't. <laughs> yeah. But we got people here who can teach who, you stuff. But who can do just I mean I we have people building electric cars in Utah. Yeah. We have people manufacturing cars electric cars in Utah. We have people we have we have uh financial planners who literally have billions of dollars under ass, assets under management mm-hmm. that you wouldn't just, you know, yeah. they drive a 1999 Corolla. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, let's put those people yeah, on the absolutely, stage absolutely. here in Utah. Keep Amen. them a little secret. And our, yeah. our, um, agenda is intended to be really practical. So it's not inspirational content. There's a place for inspirational content. I totally yeah, yeah, yeah. love inspirational content. Yeah. But you but need we, tact, tactful. Yeah, we are intending for you to leave with checklists and templates and plans for how you are going to do things differently on Monday. 
Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Melanie. It was a treat. Thank you. Thank you.